As always, we invite the Holy Spirit in prayer to come and break open these scriptures for us. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would make our minds, our hearts, and our souls the fertile soil that you speak of in the gospel. That your word may bear deep, rich, and abundant fruit in our lives. Holy Spirit, illuminate these scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And we ask especially the intercession of St. Joseph and the Immaculate Virgin Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So today's gospel certainly touches on a sensitive topic, um, one that we're going to speak about. Jesus brings it up in the gospel, so we're going to talk about it ourselves. And just an understanding, though, that we're kind of going to be like zooming through this. I'm going to be talking about a lot of things. And if there's, um, there's something that strikes your heart, or there's something that's difficult uh, to, to believe or hear or understand, just encourage you first to take it to prayer and as well like seek out more understanding and more knowledge of, of why the scriptures teach what they teach, why the church teaches what she teaches. And if you need to, to come have a conversation with me or anyone else, please, please do so. Um, again, we're going to kind of be zooming, zooming through a lot of important and sensitive topics. So you see today that there are two groups of people that ask Jesus a big question, right? Like, is divorce okay? Is this question. And the, the first question comes from, or the first group of people are the Pharisees. And their intention is to, to trap him, right? They're trying to trap Jesus. So they're like, okay, if he says this, we're going to be like, man, you're way too strict. And if he says this, then, then you're unfaithful or you're too lenient. They're just trying to get him in a trap. But Jesus, like a good teacher, particularly knowing like the hearts of the Pharisees, they ask him a question. What does he do? Just ask him a question right back. Hey, okay. You want to know? What does Moses say? And they quote, well, well, Moses said it was okay. Moses said it was allowed. And then Jesus says, Moses allowed this because of the hardness of your heart. Speaking about the reality of, of life after sin, right? After brokenness, after the effects of sin, like because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed this. But in the beginning, it was not so. And see, this is key. Jesus said, you want to know the answer to this question. Let's not look at it from the perspective of sin, but from before that. In the beginning, when God established marriage, when he created man and woman, let's look at it through that lens. And so he quotes Genesis for us. He says, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Straight from the very beginning of the creation of man and woman. What's really cool is that if you read in scriptures, right, in Genesis, God created us in his image and likeness. 
which we, as Catholics, sometimes we toss that around. Like, that's a big deal. He created the whole cosmos, everything that exists, and one thing is in his image and likeness. We are like him. In what way? The most perfect definition of God is God is love. God is love. So if we're in his image and likeness, that means we have this ability to love. That I can understand that, I can will that, I can choose that. Love is just that. It's a willful decision. I choose to give myself away for someone else, to someone else. Now, St. John Paul II, when he was writing his theology of the body, he actually began with this passage. And he begins to say, while we're all created in God's image and likeness, the family is a more perfect image of God. Why? Because God is a trinity. God is not an eternal solitude, but an eternal communion of persons, an eternal family, which you have the Father who gives himself away to the Son. It's this full gift of self. And the Son, from all eternity, receives the gift of the Father and then gives himself away in return. And this mutual gift between the Father and the Son, then there's a, the fruit of that love is a third person, the Holy Spirit. So this, this trinity of persons, this mutual eternal self-gift that's there. So when God creates us in his image and likeness, what does he create us? Male and female. So that there is a husband who gives himself away to his wife. And his wife receives the gift of her husband and then gives herself in return to him. And that love is, is consummated right in the marital embrace. And then what happens? Nine months later, you got to make some room in your house, you know. you got to wake up in the middle of the night and feed that love and wipe that love's behind and put a new diaper on it, right? There's a third person. That the human family is meant to image the Holy Trinity, and marriage is at the heart of that. It's not by accident that we're male and female complementary to, to bring about this communion of persons. And so from the very beginning, Jesus says that marriage is meant to be permanent. This permanent communion, this bond that God has made. Why? Because of the permanent communion and bond of the members of the Trinity. The Father is never going to stop giving himself. The Son is never going to stop giving himself. The Holy Spirit is never going to stop giving. Just, just a continued bond from all eternity. And so the image of that reality is meant to be a permanent gift of self, persevering. And so that's when Jesus, he has the mic drop, right? So he's like, so what God has joined, no human being must separate. Because from the beginning, and then Jesus goes, boop, and then he walks out, right? And the Pharisees are like, okay, <laughs> that's not what we expected. But then his disciples are still with him, right? They're back at the house. His disciples are with him, and they're going, did, did he really say that? I mean, that's only because Jesus ain't married. I mean, come on. Did he really say that? And so they're asking him, and they're asking him from a different disposition. Lord, what do you mean by that? 
Do you really mean what you said? Because many times Jesus would, he would preach, he would speak in parables, he would speak, uh, you know, and then afterwards the disciples would be like, that sounded cool, man. What did you mean? (laughs) And then he would explain it to them. So they're asking him this and kind of hoping maybe like, you know, this is, Lord, this is a little kind of hard. And he, and he goes back again. He's like, no. The marital bond is one from the beginning that is permanent. And then if someone again, divorces and then enters into another relationship, then that's a, that's a sin against that original bond because of what the Lord has established. We cannot divide. Again, And the reality that we live in is difficult. But what is Jesus doing? He's saying, okay, we're going back to the beginning and he's restoring. He's restoring and redeeming what was present before the fall. Like before the fall, why did they they need need this reality after the fall, excuse me, before Jesus came? Because they didn't have the ability to deal with sin. They didn't have the ability to have a heart that was changed and renewed. And so Christ comes to redeem all things and says, let's go back to the beginning. Let's bring it back there. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's go. Let's reestablish what the Lord has created. Now, again, we're human, right? And this is difficult. And so the, the church says this about Jesus speaking this to his disciples in this passage. It says, Jesus' unequivocal assist, insistence on the indissolubility, that means the, it cannot be broken apart, of the marriage bond may have left some perplexed. It could seem to be a demand impossible to realize. However, Jesus has not placed on spouses a burden impossible to bear or too heavy. By coming to restore the original order to creation, disturbed by sin, he himself gives strength and grace to live marriage in the new dimension of the reign of God. Notice, Jesus is not saying, hey, here's the dealio, have fun trying, right? Here's the rules, boom, I just throw the weight on your back and I'm walking out. But the Lord says, no, here is how God created it. And then I'm giving you the grace to do it. I'm giving you the power of the Holy Spirit to live this. We think of the the prophet Ezekiel chapter 36. He prophesies like when the spirit comes, what's he going to do? He's going to take from us our stony hearts. He's going to take our broken, busted hearts and he's going to take it and exchange it and give us a real, new, living, natural heart. And he says, and I'm going to inscribe my law upon it so that you can live by my statutes. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that we've been given. You know, many times, like, sometimes I think we, we like, have this notion of Jesus. I kind of uh, I joke about it a little bit. It's like, we kind of think he's like Barney, right? Like, I love you. You love me. We're good, you know. And he does love us. And his mercy is infinite. And there's no sin that he can't forgive. But he calls us in that to turn from it and to turn towards him and to live that reality. To live the truth. What does he say? I did a wedding Friday night. And the couple picked the gospel passage but Jesus, John 15, and he says, love one another as I love you. I'm like, that sounds cute. 
thought, really? Can you love with a perfect love? Can you forgive perfectly? Can you be patient perfectly? I'm like, Jesus, you can kick me off the team now. Like, it ain't going to happen. But then again, he does not call us to something that he does not give us the grace to live. And so he says, come to me broken, come to me imperfect, and I infuse you with this grace. Which means sometimes, like, we just have to will it and choose it. Like, all right, Lord, I want to punch him in the face. But give me the grace to love as you love. Give me the grace to love as you love. And so the church continues. It says, by following Christ, renouncing themselves, and taking up their crosses, spouses will be able to receive the original meaning of marriage and to live it with the help of Christ. The grace of Christian marriage is a fruit of Christ's cross, the source of all Christian life. The purpose of marriage is this, of a Christian marriage. The sanctification of the husband and wife and that they would help each other get to heaven. Like if you want to get married for a different reason, got a lot of college students in here, right? Just pump the brakes a little bit. That's what it's about. Yeah, there's like warm and fuzzy and the love and it's fun. Like it needs to be all that too, right? It's not going to be that all the time. That needs to be present or you probably shouldn't be marrying the person. But the purpose of it is that we, by the, with the help of the grace of God, will help sanctify each other and to help each other get to heaven. And any children, the Lord gives us the same. So that when we bump up against each other, what is that? That's an opportunity for sanctification. That's an opportunity for me to die to my selfishness and to love with the very heart of Jesus. And so, maybe even right now, like, if you're married or if you're friends or whatever, your practice will be like, oh my gosh, this person is aggravating the mess out of me. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus put them right next to you right at that time for you to practice love. Practice love. And many times when I think about that, right, it's easy for me to say, when I think about that, I'm like, Jesus, practice is over, man. Come on, I want to go home. <laughs> Let's go get pizza after practice, man. Let's skip, skip practice. But this is the grace and the gift that's present. Now, recognizing this, recognizing the difficulty that's present within us, the church also understands that there are some situations that, that are so difficult that they're untenable within marriage. And so she says this. Yet there are some situations in which living together becomes practically impossible for a variety of reasons. And we can think there are a number of things that are present. Probably the most clear one, the most easily understandable, is like abuse of any form. Like, hey, that's not good. I need to remove myself from this situation. Church understands that. In such cases, the church permits the physical separation of the couple and their living apart. The spouses, though, do not cease to be husband and wife before God and so are not free to contract a new union. Again, this bond that God has brought together that we cannot break it, even if it's a really difficult situation, there's a permit, permission to be apart, um, but it's still recognized that that is present, that that bond is present. 
Church says in this difficult situation, the best solution would be, if possible, again, if prudent, if safe, reconciliation. The Christian community is called to help these couples to live out their situation in a Christian manner. So wherever we find ourselves, our friends, our family, like we are called to help love and to foster that with them. So people will ask the question then again, right? Like, okay, Father, that's permanent. Then what happens? And like, what's, what about this annulment thing? And so that's a confusing thing. Again, I'm going to just mention a little bit, kind of zoom really quick, but it's there. Sometimes people think annulment is like a fancy word for a Catholic divorce. Like, ah, oh, you just have like a loophole, like this Jesus is saying this. And, and it's not that. What an annulment understands is like we're human, right? So the church recognizes that when people step up in front of that altar to take those vows, certain things need to be present for the actual bond to take place. Like there are certain things that need to be present. And in a summary, a simple, simple summary of that, the church said that each people have to intend to love this way, freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully. Like I come here freely. Nobody's got a gun in my back saying, boy, you're going to marry that girl, right? I come to give myself totally, my entire self. I come choosing to be faithful for the entirety of my life. And I come open to the fruitfulness of what the Lord has given within our couple and with children. And if there is something there, someone is not capable at the time, whether they realize it or not, to make that free, total, faithful, fruitful gift of self, then the church says, okay, well, after we've looked at this more deeply, what we presume the entire time to be a valid marriage, there was something that was missing. And so we understand that there, the bond that we thought was there was not there. Again, can be a difficult situation, um, kind of hard to grasp sometimes. The church honors and respects everything that was good about the relationship, especially the children. But if a person does end up you know, in a, in a civil divorce and they desire to, to get married again, then they need to proceed with seeking an annulment in that way. Otherwise, there, there's not that freedom because that original bond is still present. What happens when life is messy? The Lord is merciful. And he meets us right where we are and loves us right where we are and helps us to take the next step. So again, we zoomed over this stuff. You know, it's right in our face. Jesus, like, reading the gospel this week, I'm like, okay, cool. You want me to talk about that? Because <laughs> it's kind of hard to avoid, so we're just going to make it happen. But if you have any other questions, please seek out some answers. Seek out someone to talk to. We'll walk through whatever questions that you may have. And then I ask that you pray. Pray for the renewal of marriage. Pray for the sanctification of marriage. Pray particularly for those who have difficulties for whatever reason. Pray especially for spouses who their spouses have abandoned them in whatever way. Um, that the openness to God's grace and mercy and healing may come for renewal. So let's pray. Come, Lord Jesus, and pour your mercy upon all. And we pray especially for families and for marriages, Lord, for healing, strength, and grace, and mercy. Sanctify, Lord, and heal all families and all marriages. We entrust them to you through the intercession of St. Joseph and the Immaculate Virgin Mary, and ask these prayers in your most holy name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.